You're listening to the Around the Lens podcast, the home of high-quality, roundtable, visual journalism discussion about the news, topics, and gear related to our career field. Now, here's the host of our show, David J. Murphy. (laughs) You guys are great. Hello and welcome to Around the Lens. I'm your host, David J. Murphy. Joining me this week are my co-hosts, a freelance photojournalist who uh, is also the president or chairman of APA. I don't have my notes up. Sorry, Travis. APA New York. Travis It's all good, man. You'd think you'd know it by now, but uh, (laughs) Supreme Supreme Leader Supreme Leader, Travis. Travis. Oh, stop. How are you guys doing today in this crazy, crazy, ever crazy, getting your crazier, even craziest world? Uh, Doing super, Travis. Doing super. Glad you're with us and glad you're safe. Uh, our other guest this week, of course, returning guest, panelist, is celebrity photographer, celebrity paparazzi <laughs> photographer. No, um, uh, of course, plug, the plug. incomparable Evelyn Hochstein, freelance photojournalist at, based out of Washington D.C. Hello, Evelyn. How are you? I I am hanging in there. It's been like everywhere in the United States. I'm sure many of our listeners or I don't know where they're based, but are experiencing total chaos, perhaps, in their cities if they are in a major metropolitan city. So, yeah, I'm good. Covering the protests, keeping me busy, probably getting coronavirus. Uh, You know, it's a little, that's probably as scary as... uh, Well, make sure you you bring all each with you everywhere you go. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I'm constantly, I just take little sips at a time. (laughs) kill the virus but yeah basically to call those months of quarantining ended friday night when i found myself uh rolling into a protest you wouldn't wouldn't have been healthy to go out and and shoot then so yeah exactly (laughs) that's exactly it so it's okay you know but it's amazing i mean i think everybody just we're so caught up in what is happening and what's tearing this country apart right now that it nobody can i mean how much can People aren't thinking about it, I'm sure, or they're thinking about it, but they've decided that it's more important that their voices are heard and they want to be out on the streets. And it's people also are sick of being at home. And there's just so many factors. But we've been, we've been at this boiling point for so yeah. long. I'm surprised the kettle hasn't boiled over a lot sooner. Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting when we did see it boiling over with the people who wanted to reopen in a different, yeah. angry way, like storming. Michigan State House or wanting to with yep. guns or showing up in Richmond. Um, there's so much um, anger. And so, you know, how people had to take to the streets, I, yeah. I, you know, I, if they you know, care about what happened to George Floyd. So, um, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the virus for sure. You know, it's yeah. kind of amazing how quickly, you know, people just kind of forgot about the virus or at least, you know, again, saw that this gathering of people was was far more important than you know the the sort of virus social distancing and whatnot that's sort of the, the problem with these 24-hour you know, news cycles is they they hyper focus on one topic now instead of like kind of dividing it up and suddenly you know it's 24 hours covid for for you know days and months and then suddenly you know a new thing comes out that they, they hyper focus on and that's all they focus on they don't even talk about covid anymore yeah it's just it, you know it it's not proper it's not good it's not healthy yeah you know, people come to the protests with hand sanitizer and masks and, 
you know, there's that vibe going on, which I think is like really communal and positive, but it sort of feels like, okay, I mean, I, I just, you're just mashed up with people and sweating and shouting and there's just spit yeah. everywhere, I'm sure. Um, so, you know, I, I still wear my mask, but it doesn't, <laughs> it feels a little bit. It's kind of, it's kind of like, so, like putting I mean, a, a garden hose on a raging house fire and expecting it to do anything. That's kind of like what I think of as yeah. wearing the mask when you're like next to people right up to each other. Uh, but glad you're safe. Glad you're still with us. You know, not you didn't get a, yeah. um, a rubber bullet yeah. to the head or anything crazy like that. I've heard some very I got a paint pellets. I was calling them rubber bullets mistakenly. So I was saying to my colleagues, but you know, those paint size. They're the, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, with tear, with tear, the tear gas. gas pellets. Yeah. They, they're but bad. They really hurt when you get hit with them. Oh, and I hit several times um, on my abdomen last night. And any, any bruises the, or? Oh yeah, welts. Yeah, yeah. welts. Yeah. It's I I was in uh, in out in Washington State and uh, the bad boys in uh, Antifa and uh, I I luckily was just missing. Someone next to me was hit. Then I have pictures of the way it's hit and it just these huge like welts and circles and discoloration and blood to the skin. It's yeah, those are, those are no joke. I think, my, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of was like, okay, I can handle this. But you worry about your eye. I was worried about my eyes. Like, so I did, I, you know, it's hard to shoot with, like, safety. Haven't, haven't you uh, had some protest incidents before? Yeah, I, remember, I have worn my helmet. My, my <laughs> head, I, used to, I wear my helmet. So I have my helmet on. I even put on safety goggles for as long as I can sort of tolerate that. And, and why do you wear a helmet now? Yes, I have been hit on the head with a oh rock. My God. And I uh, cracked my head open. I was young. Well, even that I was young, honestly, it was pre-helmet days, although some of my colleagues are wearing, like, bike helmets and, and things, but it was pre-intifada, and there was some stone throwing going on, and it was not the norm for journalists to be in full protective gear, because it hadn't really developed into that kind of pro... Oh. I mean, there were rocks, but it wasn't... It, um, it wasn't... It was, like, between the first intifada and the second intifada, and just... It happened, you know, some rocks threw, came out, and I just got conked on the head, and... Um, Cracked my head open, got stitches, oh uh, you know. So I've been trying to encourage my colleagues because I, I, I feel like the mother hen. I've been doing this a long time, and there <laughs> are tons of flying objects, even if it's just a water bottle. Um, yeah. You know, that hurts. But okay, maybe not hurt, but um, my colleague at um, Getty was wearing a helmet, and he told me that he was hit on something like hit with a rock or a brick, but it hit his helmet, luckily. So I've been trying to encourage people. To wear helmets. Yeah. How was how your interact? Did you come across with the police and how was your interaction with them on the streets? Uh, did you, I mean, obviously it used to be like a little more, you know, sanctity between police and, uh, and, uh, and the, you know, the, the riot police. But now I'm watching like, you know, coverage on MSNBC. You see, I saw almost every single one of them either hit or, you know, or, or you know, had some kind of incident with, you know, being hit by tear gas or pellets or, you know, being shot at. Uh, how, how, what was your um, I definitely feel like when I was sh holding up my camera and getting shot with the pellets, uh, probably they knew that I was a journalist, but they still wanted us to, because we would be right in line with the protesters. Um, do I want to say I was targeted? I'm not sure I want to say with 100% clarity, but I do feel that the D.C., this is going to be very unpopular in this time of age, um, so I'm going to just try to say this carefully, because this is not, I'm there documenting, um, but 
I've covered the D.C. police in a lot of protests, and people are furious and angry and confronting them and approaching them and angry at them for being police in so many ways. But um, I do think there's a high degree of professionalism. So in that organization, it's not speaking for all kinds, doesn't speak for any other bad department, but when they would push the crowd forward and I would have to run on like everyone else. I could not stay on the sidewalk or stay in the middle of the road and I wasn't running. I was very close to them and I had my cameras and I've been making eye contact with them a lot because I've been shooting and saying I'm pressed, I'm pressed. I didn't feel like they were going to whack me over the head with a baton although it's very scary and it feels like they might because you've got their shields and they're like move, move, move. So you move. Um, but I didn't really feel threatened that way. I felt if I fell behind or tripped or something I could you know really either get trampled or yeah. it could or if I was too slow could be seen as a as a sign that I wasn't moving but I um I felt personally okay and I did see them definitely um arresting hitting um protesters but usually just when I there was a, con- a clash between the two they're ju- they're what they were doing last night was p- moving people um I'm not saying that's the same in in every so, but as a journalist, it wasn't until the very end of the night that um, they were arresting some people that I was taking pictures, and one cop said, um, "Get that, get that camera out of here!" in like a kind of a threatening way. And he also had a pellet gun or something pointed in um, my direction. I was with some other photojournalists, so that was pretty late in the night, and I felt like that was just somebody who didn't want, you know, their photo taken. So that that was the most disturbing incident, but. Um, you I say, thought, okay. yeah. you, say you were with uh, other photojournalists. Are you traveling with other people for safety? Well, um, I mean, I know a lot of people out there. I did hook up with a couple colleagues of mine. You know, we're texting. I think that's always really important, like, start just safety-wise. Like, be in contact with other people. Even if you're only, like, two, you just lose people. I would say I would lose them most of the night and then find them and then lose them and find them. Um and just, but I would constantly be like checking in and texting, or hey, where are you? And sometimes you get separated because there's different ways the police divide you up. But yeah. um, it was just extreme rage. People are feeling a lot of rage. Um, but I think as a jur- as a photojournalist, I don't know. I I didn't. I you know I just didn't feel. I felt like I was putting myself out there and. If the police are going to shut down the street and I were to resist that, I would be a target like anyone else. And is that right or wrong? I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that, yeah. you know, if they're telling me to move. So I, you know, those it's it's a it's, it's a, like a, fi- a funny balance because you also get pissed when you get hit with a paint pellet or get tear gas and things yeah. like that. Yeah. I had a run-in with a police officer yesterday, but it was so it it, it was very different. <laughs> I, I had a shoot in the Hamptons, and uh, uh, it was a portrait shoot, and uh, we had gone down to the beach, which uh, you know the family had permits for and stuff like that, and we we had parked there, and it was after hours, and uh, and uh, we were you know, members come up like they're ticketing the car, so I go back, and uh, the guy's there, and. Uh, the, one of the family members is kind of getting it. Oh, we're permits. We live here. He's like, oh, you can't park here. And then uh, I kind of go up to him. like, I'm sorry. I should have put my press pass here. He goes, I wouldn't help anyway right now. I'm like, no worries. You're just doing your job. And I, I want to thank you for doing your job and your services. You know, thank you. Be safe out there. And he looked at me. He looked down at the ticket. He just goes, whoosh, whoosh. He goes, no you know what? Thank you so much. You have a good day. I like you. I'm like, thank you. You have a good day and be safe. And that was, that was it. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's okay. I've, yeah, I, I know. Think of it I think once they start writing the ticket, that's it. You're done. But yeah, you, you tore it up. All right. 
You know, it's really challenging because you want to feel, I mean, you, yeah, I don't, I don't even, it's, it's almost like hard to say, but I did see some moments like the, the protesters were asking cops to take a knee, like by force, like, you know, like take it, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a way, like they were trying to get a point heard, but I did see a cop, an officer very quickly get down on one knee. I mean, they were like pressed against the wall and had all these protesters surrounding them, but um, and then he got up. I did read a tweet that said something like his commanding officer, you know, pulled him aside. And so I don't know what the attitude was, but I did see that. And I did see another police. I mean, this is going to sound like I'm like justifying this because people, this was not the general sentiment. There was a lot. It's people are very, very angry and the yeah. cops are there and they're in their riot gear. And, and, um, you know, you may think that they shouldn't even be there doing that job or they should, you know, not be following orders. I mean, there is that sentiment towards towards the police right now. Um, but I did see another police officer like hug a protester um, just once, but, you know, kind of and shake hands. Um, but that, you know, it, it's just not that's that's generally not the vibe because it's it's pretty tense. Yeah. It's it's sort of an impossible job right now. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, there, there are some bad apples in the police force. But, uh, you know, you can't take that whole flip side and demonize a whole, you know, uh, career and, and, and force just because they're police right now. And uh, it, it's kind of it's this impossible task. It's terrible. That's what's happening. And I don't. Yeah. I mean, so I'm just going there. I'm just sort of documenting the sentiment um, because I think that's a polar. I I hear what you're saying, but I think that's the frustrating thing with all the looting and things that are happening is that, you know, you you take these murders and um, terrible things that are happening to black men by the police and then you get people who either don't care about that issue or who are racist or whatever, and then yeah. all of this gets mixed together and the attitudes of some of the protesters, and then, and it, um, I mean, it's an interesting debate. Does it take away from the cause? Because I think a lot yes. of people in the United States do not feel good about the looting, and I saw a lot of looting happening last night, and it's yeah. very... And unfortunately, it doesn't help any sides. And unfortunately, everybody that's already kind of tribal and predetermined will take whatever they see and use it as their arguments. It's like, you know, uh, you know, people that are fighting for the cause who be like, no, I was out there protesting peacefully and I can show you this. And people are like, well, no, you guys are looting stuff and you're, you know, you're wrong. And that, you know, everyone will pick out pieces on their side and it doesn't help the total cause, which at the end of the day is for all of us to get along and not fight and, and that hatred needs to be put down and, and equal rights and equal, you know, you know, uh, justice and, uh, people not treated differently. And that's the ultimate cause. But, uh, it just is, it's, it's, that's why we're at this boiling point. Yeah. I did hear a lot of protesters early in the evening say, stop throwing shit, you know, let's, let's just really against anybody. And, you know, we're just going to stand here silently. Don't, it doesn't help. But I think there's a mixed bag. I think there are people who, you know, or think that's perfectly, you know, I can't speak for someone else's anger or rage on their there to photograph it. So you have both sides of the coin. And then you have another side of the coin, which are people who are just anarchists who are also there, yeah. who maybe also support Black Lives Matter, but also have their own agenda, which is yeah. you know, smashing banks and fuck capitalism and all that stuff that you see graffitied. So, yeah, anyway. <laughs> I would like one of these three-sided coins you mentioned. <clears throat> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, it's, my word. It's it, it's 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 sad because you know ultimately the the news organizations are focusing on the looting and focusing on the fires and focusing on the 
um, sort of negativity around this. And you, you asked, does it take away from what the cause is? And I think it does, if only because that's what news is going to focus on. They're not going to focus on the peaceful protests nearly as much as they're going to focus on the looting or the destruction or whatnot. And it's, I don't know, I think it takes away a little bit from, or a lot actually, quite a bit from from what the, the purpose is behind it. Um, I, didn't, I don't think it definitely, uh, you know, regardless of whatever you think about it, I don't think it adds to uh, what should be, you know, a focus on, uh, you know, this, this poor man's death and, and you know, the, the systemic issues that caused it. So, yeah. uh, but that's just my take yeah. on it. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, they're also, I mean, it is hard, it's hard to say, oh, you just smash this compass coffee or this whatever things I saw, saw burnt, you know, attacked last night. And it's hard to, you know, say, okay, this is helpful. But when you think about the burn, I was just thinking about the fires and the rioting, uh, it is, it does in a way make it more powerful and more angry. And it does I'm not saying it's the right message. What I'm trying to say is historically we've had riots where cities have burned. And these are race riots that have happened throughout our history. And maybe if they were peaceful, we wouldn't be talking about, you know, it's or riots in the 60s. I don't know. I'm just the people who are protesting feel like the system is so, you know, I've got to go get fire, you know, it just it has to go to like another level this is a revolution and just holding up signs isn't working because it keeps happening over and over i'm not in the mindset but when you look at historically at these other we talk about these times when cities burned in the past it didn't change i mean unfortunately things haven't changed um enough in this country um and people are that's why people are so angry um it's it's heart wrenching after, I mean just think about the, on all of this on top of the pandemic, lost jobs, unemployment. I think we're now going to see vulnerable communities sickened again by coronavirus because we're out in the masses, and I don't know what choice people have but not to protest. So, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting thing to think about. Um, but I will say, I mean, the, the, I, Travis was saying in New York. Um, but yeah, like Sephora's were getting broken into, Compass Coffee, just not just, just everything, you know, Baja Fresh, I'm trying to think what I saw last night, and uh, just breaking windows to break windows, things like that. So. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you on the, you know, why was it Martin Luther King that said uh, riots are, are, are the language of the unheard, and uh, and if, if we didn't see a lot of this, it wouldn't be covered. Yeah, my pictures with fire are much more dramatic than not. I wouldn't. No, that's wrong to say. There are very dramatic pictures of people with yeah. their fists up and hand. Those are totally powerful. That was, that was just. But there is something, you know, dramatic. But I also saw just trash cans burn. I mean, it didn't have to be a store. It could have yeah. been, you know, there were just all kinds of things were burning. But um, anyway, it's it's. Um, I think the bigger picture is that this is a very painful, divisive time and that's scary and there's not a lot of out there too no and that's that that's the main thing is there's no there's no calming voice right now and there's no one asking for unity and and uh, I, unfortunately we we're at that perfect storm of uh of divisiveness and hatred and uh it, it it's going to take something very different to get this back together and we're gonna have to see what that is you know i want to say one good thing i have felt really not unsafe 
shooting sometimes with pro in protests like the protesters themselves and i have not been getting that but. there's been no anger at the camera or journalists uh, you're feeling in this type of environment yeah situation except maybe if somebody really doesn't want their face but i have not felt I, I honestly i've barely even felt that it's like okay don't photograph us as i've been told when people are like smashing windows and if you just say okay most people wearing masks anyway but, yeah you're looking at this craziness at a time where you know if everybody was out there not pre-covid with uh, all these masks on it would be a frightening kind of thing but now everyone's expected to wear a mask so suddenly your identity is taken away so people yeah, feel but, more free to loot and do things that they wouldn't I, normally I, do. I don't know i'm just saying like we live in such an anti-media hateful time right now in the fake media and like I feel I feel it all the time when I cover political some political events or rallies or but in this in this environment um I haven't been getting it from the crowd and they could you know I think there's an equal amount people feel frustrated by the media too like you know fine you're covering the murder of this of um, George Floyd right now, but you know there there's anger towards the media for maybe doing a disservice to African American communities, you know, for forever um, that we haven't done a good job. I, I'm, whatever people are feeling towards the media, that we're often, you know, we're an easy target these days. And I in Washington D.C., I have not felt that. I felt fairly safe. Um, you know, besides just the general chaos, which can be, you know, dangerous. Yeah. But um, I think that's been positive, actually. To address your point that you mentioned earlier, Julie, about the sort of the nature of destruction, right? In, or I'm sorry, Evelyn. <laughs> Ju Julie just joined us. Hello, Julie. Hey. Hey. Sorry oh. about that. <laughs> can't see you, but can of you course, uh, can't see you. I don't know if you're I, I saw so for a second, um, share screen. There we go. Nope, that didn't work. Hey, you want to share? I don't want to video. Yeah, just make sure your settings. Right, settings. Your go into your settings and make sure you there. You something's happening. Oh my there goodness! It is. All righty. Okay, I'm not gonna touch anything else then. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. I'm gonna uh, plug your video into our stream here so that they can, you know, our our listening audience can see your or our viewing audience can see your lovely face. Uh, let me just do that I'm right now. Hello, hello Julie, welcome for joining us. Where, where, where are you based out of? Where are you right now? Uh, in Mandeville, Louisiana, outside of uh, New Orleans. So we've been, uh, obviously, while you uh, were not here talking about uh, all the, the, the rioting and protests, are, are you uh, seeing this where you are, or what's the, the well, consensus? You know, in the New Orleans area, everything comes about two weeks late so it didn't take quite that long but um it there's not it's still very peaceful here there were new orleans had its first larger protest on saturday and then there was one in baton rouge yesterday and that one splintered off it went on for a couple of hours um there were some confrontations with police late at night but very small and um there's one community activist who handled uh, community relations with the police during the Alton Sterling um, incidents up there, and uh, every he, it, there was no no incidents. But you know that can that can all change. I mean, there were also protests in Jackson, and there was one in Mobile. But for some reason, the call out for those has been really hard to find. Mm -hmm. But it could be because I've been hanging out in a funeral home, shooting in a mortuary lately. So. Uh, but no, it's just, um, it's weird. And for the first time, 
I'm not feeling pressed to run toward the action elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Elsewhere, yeah. they know it because yeah. they know it will and come here. And our journalism pool in the South has kind of been decimated. Dave, David's left. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. There, there are very few freelancers, and I apologize to the numerous ones I might not know about. But in in my view, there aren't that many of us left standing. Yeah. Um, so if, if I were to take off and and go. Because um, I, you know, I'm from the New York area. It, it feels funny in the old days. I'd see stuff and I'd be like, "Oh, gotta go," but I don't feel that way right now. So um, I'm watching the horror at this point fall out when I'm not in the streets. But it that part of it hasn't come here. So since you just joined us, why don't you tell people what your background in photography is and what you're currently doing? Um, well, I started in photography kind of as a second chapter in my life. I had been a fine artist for 20 years and um, used photos in my artwork but wanted to be out in the world shooting, so I switched up and jumped right into it. And now, it's been a while now, so I've been um, shooting. But I, I kind of I shoot more with a, an art perspective in the way that I'm still so spoiled, used to doing what I want, you know, so I'm very driven by my own projects, um, and of course, I take assignments and welcome them, but I do what I what I want, and I've been shooting lately Louisiana's Cancer Alley, which is a strip between Baton Rouge and New Orleans that's inundated with um, petrochemical plants and uh, refineries where the pollution for a, a large part is undocumented. The air monitoring systems are far away from where you pick up, so there's always that argument, oh, it's not that bad, there's no cancer, blah, blah, blah. Uh, there is cancer if you talk to the community. The same area is called the petrochemical corridor by the um, by the industry. And as you've heard in the news reports, probably after New Orleans became a hotspot, uh, that more African-Americans were dying there. Yeah. And in- John the Baptist Parish, where you know mm-hmm. I've basically been following the community with the inception of these two new community groups. One started in 2016, and one started in 2018. That's St. John the Baptist, um, the Concerned Citizens of St. John and Rise St. James. And basically, um, I go to every meeting that I can, especially early on when no one was paying attention. So I go to the parish council meetings, and you just never know what's going to happen, you know, what's going to be said, what officials going to be there. Um, the community was even accused of being fear mongers for worrying about pollution. And they're, they're, they were going out and protesting about their issues, but not about um, uh, George Floyd just yet. Um, it, again, like I said, things things kind of trickled down here. Um, yeah. Lockdown came a little bit later here when it should have been earlier here, and those communities really, really like by the time the African American communities that I work with kind of got it, they had no supplies inside to get. So you know, mm. um, I did my best to supply them because I'm kind of used to it. So I've almost. And you said you were spending the last couple of days in a mortuary documenting, and what was that? What's well, what well, angler? You know what what with this um, with the opening up of the state. What what I'm finding is that um, people who did take it seriously aren't weren't still aren't, which is where where I live in a in a very conservative area in Mandeville. Uh, if you go shopping, uh, at maybe. 20 or 10% of people were wearing protection. Now, 
I'm like the only one, I feel like, wow. who's wearing a mask. And, uh, you know, now I'll even wear a visor because I'm just like, well, if none of them are, you know, that's that's really bad. But um, I called around and, and I, I got access to, to a funeral home. And I'm going to be working with the director there. I started kind of embedded there to start covering the funerals and the embalming process and everything. And and then suddenly, of course, the protest started here. And I mean, of yeah. course, I'm going to cover them. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm on call like I would be, uh, you know, with anything else if something happens. But we're both expecting a surge, uh, you know, two to three weeks. Um, right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, you know, there's little testing there in that community, but my goodness, what, what, well, the protesters here, um, I guess like most places are wearing the masks. I did, did cover the open Louisiana protests and they, of course they weren't. That's, I had to keep backing up, you know, because when you start talking to people, it's just, they're natural. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Besides being called um, fake news and so forth, uh, you know, which is really funny because my credential usually spins around the wrong way. I have to find it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, but, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> well, you know, no, it's funny you said that. I went to Trump's inauguration uh, to cover there. I had made shirts for fun. I thought if I was going to be arrested, I wanted to have some fun in jail. And it said media. So, you know. Uh. I'm glad you have a sense of humor. <laughs> that is, that's that's what's going to get a lot of people through this. <laughs> you know, Julie, you mentioned an interesting point about fake news, and I'm curious, did was there ever any of that kind of sentiment before, you know, President Trump was elected? Was there any sort of, did you ever go out to anything where any anyone had any sort of animosity towards the you being part of the media that you can remember? No, no, so it absolutely only really not. began absolutely after he became not. elected or no, and I, up to election. Yeah, I'm mean, sure there are some people that don't want to be on the news or yep. in the whatever and, and some animosity, like during Occupy, yeah, actually it was more some of the protesters, they didn't want to be identified and they didn't know that the best way not to get a picture taken is to go like this. <laughs> you know, you, you kind of get it, uh, but no, nothing like this. I mean, you know, I covered some of the early Trump rallies as well, and, you know, they start going to the riders and yelling at you and being surrounded, and, um, I mean, I think the craziest one was the, um, an NRA conference in, in mm. Houston, was it last time, or, I know, Dallas, and, I mean, basically, the NRA was um, showing, putting lemons in a, you know, and the, the lemons were the media, I mean, it was, it was, you know, yes, things have definitely changed. There, there, there's no question. But the funny thing is, when people protest, they want their picture taken for the most part. And I'm, you know, it's so whether it's the Anna people or the people who are protesting now, um, you know, I do what I can to not, you know, get in people's face and all that. But I was expecting something different. Uh, the last two days when I went out, but I got people who are like, put it on Instagram, you know, <laughs> and all that kind of thing. But so I, it, I know it, d it depends where you are. It's, I mean, forget the, the Trump stuff for a minute. I'm just always surprised by the younger activists who think, you know, like, don't take my picture. I can do their cameras everywhere. You know, like you're storming a 
police station. You don't think that your face is being They're, recorded? You're worried about... 17 million other camera phones that are recording every second. <laughs> Get the camera phones. The government's phones. I mean, yeah, there are yeah. cameras everywhere. It's so you know? true. You get so a ticket. True. You drive through New Orleans. Be careful. Yeah, I heard that same. <laughs> so sorry, I don't want. No, I heard that same argument of a, a young, you know, protester uh, who was doing a march in New York City. Peaceful protest, nothing crazy going on, but the fact that they were protesting, you know, and they would be associated with protesting, and I would be, you know, publishing their photograph with their name attached to it, you know, because I knew their name. They were they were scared to death of that and that following them through, you know, the rest of their life and thinking that could potentially affect them negatively. And, you know, I have to think to myself, like, you know, why are you out here even protesting and, and putting yourself out here if you're not worried about or if you're not, you know, if you're not concerned about something larger than yourself and, you know, these type of things. And it's like, you know. Ultimately, I had to do my job and, and, you know, cover what they were doing. And, you know, if they want to be out there and do that, that's totally up to them, you know. I mean, I think with this with right. this protest in particular, it's interesting because everyone's wearing masks, right? Or at least some people are wearing masks. So it's like you almost have that anonymity there and it can get away with more, I guess. Uh, at least I see that with the looting. Completely, completely. It's yeah. absurd. It's absurd. I mean, you know, I but I think a, a lot of people um, just haven't kept up with technology today to right? we, we figured it, it out eventually they're just not it's not savvy to the to the whole thing but um oh my goodness watching colleagues uh, with the stories being shot by the rubber bullets and all it's yeah. just it's just horrifying you know i mean and i mean i've been hit in the face with um mace uh, i mean the whatever they spray you never know if it's tear gas or it's not mace tear gas in washington and stuff like that but nothing nothing like what's going on now well julie we're so happy to have you here of course this is not only your sixth appearance on the show but uh little known yeah. fact people should know julie was on our very first episode of around the lens all the way back in 2015 wow so, so great to have the original the one and only julie dermansky joining us uh, to talk awesome. about all fun things, and uh, hopefully it's not uh, too much longer. Ho hopefully we can have you back on the show before Skype needs another update. <laughs> but uh, let's get on with our first topic this evening, and we'll, we'll, of course, jump back and forth between everything we're talking about tonight. Um, but uh, we're talking about the end of social media, or what could be the end of social media. Of course, uh, President Trump signed an executive order on preventing online censorship because Twitter had the audacity to label some of his tweets as uh, with little flags that said, hey, maybe you should look into this topic the president is tweeting on. And so, of course, he uh, did not like that uh, response by Twitter and uh, decided to uh, sign this executive order, which goes into a lot of words about, uh, you know, essentially identifying um, criticisms that he finds with uh, sort of these online platforms, specifically relating to um, sort of a, a bias against conservatives and whatnot. Um, I don't, you know, you, you all are free to welcome and talk about your thoughts about the executive order, but I'm more, I'm more interested in sort of your thoughts about what could be the ramifications of this if it were to go down sort of the path of, you know, again, limiting the protections that, you know, online platforms like, um, Twitter have in, in or you know social media has in general with regard to essentially you know the protections against liability for what you know their users post 
you know, could we see the end of social media as a platform? And, and what would you do uh, without social media now that it's been so sort of heavily ingrained in everything we do? And I'll throw it over to Julie. Of course, as always, tradition on the show to let our guests have first comment in what we're talking about. Well, yeah, I'm really not not sure. You know, I haven't paid too much. I mean, I need social media. There, there's no question about that. But about what the rules should be and what they aren't, it's decided to do something now. I, I was wondering, like I'm sure many others, like why wasn't Trump's account disabled ages ago? You know, I mean, how many times has he uh, called for you know, violence and, and put uh, gasoline on a flame, you, you know. So the arbitrariness of it is, is kind of questionable, but it, it seems like what he's trying to do is a little bit, um, you know, he just came up with something off the top of the cuff and it's not going to stand up. But I'm sure that at some point um, there's going to be new legislation. So I, I just haven't looked at all of you know how, how that should work. It's horrible that it, it got more privatized. The whole internet. Do you do you think Twitter's stance on saying these are pre- presidential? Uh, you know, these are going into the record and these should should be recorded as history and stuff like that. Should we censor that? Uh, or you know, as much as I hate seeing his posts and some of them are just outstandingly awful and uh, obviously lies and some of them are you know just propagating hate should we censor that i mean is it better to have this all on record and let him twitter than to de- deactivate his account i think it's better to let him with the fact checks it's awesome i'm 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 all into it but you know like i said i haven't really looked at the whole implication but on a personal level i think it's much better not to yeah. censor and to do that but when they weren't doing that you, you know um whoa it's the, the misinformation, unfortunately, and of course it's not just Trump, uh, but the, the things that, that people believe, and I've been watching it with the COVID-19, I'll use that as an example instead of race. Um, I deal with so many different communities, so people private message me all this stuff, and I was getting conspiracy theories from people on the right wing, people from the far left wing and the African-American community who have a lot of trouble believing some stuff with um, the government when it comes to health for numerous reasons I won't get into. But I just like have like a debunk thing that I'd send the people that I really wanted to have the information. I wouldn't insult them or anything. And I'm like, ah, have another look. And I'd send you. So I had like a cheat sheet for people, you know, because people were really concerned. And that's why they were letting me know, not even just some you know, on their wall, but actually taking the time to private message me. And I find it really alarming, but I think that because we're, we have so much misinformation, Trump has pushed fake news, no one believes anything anymore, and you have Fox News putting out weird, like, tilts, tilts, uh, fake news, <laughs> I don't know how you want to call it, uh, that, you know, people, people don't really do research you know they just grab it even a lot of people that i know that think they're savvy they're like oh i saw it on the news i said yeah. you know like, what news whose yeah. news um and you know uh, i'm not the news police but um i think i think what twitter did is great but as far as just that they just did it to him i can see why there's some some outrage but i mean come on you, you these executive orders you just like throw something out like you know i mean it's it's amazing how fast he acted on that instead of the riots. 
Right, but I mean, what have you guys heard? Is anything going to be done? Like, did his act actually mean anything? His ex- executive order. It it has to be, doesn't it? Has to be seen by Congress. No, no, that's what an executive order is. No, I meant uh, it, to to actually pass and enable some of this. It actually has to go through okay. and be seen. I would, I would think so. Or I mean, that's the thing. Like, if he makes an executive order and it's completely illegal, yeah. I don't know how fast that, that some stuff he tried to do got challenged right away. And yeah, who knows? Is anyone even paying attention to that now that the whole country is pretty much on fire? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it is very. I'm not dismissing it. I mean, it's hugely important what, yeah. you know, the, the ramifications. I mean, and then Zuckerberg coming to the rescue, I'm, uh, you know. Um, so it's, uh, what, what happens as a result of this executive order, uh, Section 5 here at the towards the bottom basically says that the Attorney General is going to set up a working group uh, to discuss or Uh, You know, the enforcement of state statutes that prohibit online platforms from engaging in unfair or deceptive acts or practices. And then they're going to develop model legislation for consideration by the legislatures in states where existing statutes do not protect Americans from such unfair and deceptive acts and practices. Yada, yada, yada. What I think. What I think is so crazy about this is that ultimately going down this rabbit hole, it'll most affect him. And I think this will backfire upon him because, you know, if you're looking at, you know, fake news and fake this and, and protecting, you know, that, it really is, he's the one that's doing it. <laughs> you know, he's the one that's spreading the, the, the false news. He's the one that's, you know, uh, spreading conspiracy theory. He's the one that's retweeting these, you know, uh, uh, harmful and, 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 you know, when, when Twitter just doesn't even censor it it's not it's not a censorship they just said hey you might want to look at you know there's further information on on uh on the the, the likelihood of this and when he says you know that the mail-in ballots are you know are, are lead to mass uh, you know voter fraud and they say well you might look at this the facts say no you know that's not censoring it's just a dialogue so i, I it's hard to go down the route he's going and then the other thing that is in section six it says the attorney general will develop proposal for federal legislation that would be useful to promote the policy objectives of the order. So that's where, you know, again, this isn't something that's going to happen in a week or a month or whenever. It could be years from now, essentially. But the idea being that, hey, we're, we're starting down the road, and then even if they develop legislation, it has to go through the House and the Senate, and, you know, if we're talking about actually enacting laws, that's where I think. So it's like this is sort of the beginning of a long process, which – Again, the, the you know the commander in chief has decided to start. I think the scariest part of this, and I'd love to hear Evelyn on this as well, is that when you have an attorney general that so obviously is uh, the the attorney general for the president, not of the people. This is a very scary and dangerous first step uh, of you know censoring language and and content out to the people and controlling it from the state, which is very very frightening. Agreed. Yeah, you know, this is all, all of these debates, because they're so, our pers- we're so polarized, and our perspectives are so skewed, I think that I'm completely against censoring pretty much anything, false, true, I mean, I just think it's very scary, but when it comes to things like inciting um, violence, you know, half of this country, perhaps, I don't know, are looking at the president and thinking, okay, he's our president, he's our leader, 
But what if we were in a different time? And this was, uh, you know, another, we were in a dictatorship. We might argue, I'm going to just try to think how I want to say this without comparing somebody to some um, <laughs> historical figure. But, you know, it's like, um, it, it's our perspective, you know, I don't want to say my perspective is right or this person's perspective is wrong, but in a way it, it comes, that's why we can't really censor anything because you want to shut down hate speech. So let's say a local racist group like Maryland, okay, you have some local clan chapter and they're promoting hateful things and that would be considered hate speech and that would be shut down. Um, now I'm getting into race. It's better to use like a COVID example, I suppose. But, um, you know, I'm losing my train of thought. I'm very, very tired. I'm, I'm, I'm only running on a couple hours sleep. But um, <laughs> I think that... This is an interesting step. That, that, let me, I'm sorry. Let me, let me throw in something here yeah, quickly. Yeah, I lost my it, way. What's, what's, I think for me is the ultimate thing that's really important here and, and why I approve what a Twitter did is we've now gotten to a point where, you know, ultimately up in, throughout history, facts actually mattered and facts actually meant something. And now we've got, you know, this whole kind of whirlwind of whatever I say and whatever tribalism it goes to, uh, I can lie and, and repeat a lie so many times and people are going to believe it. We, we need steps right now that really say this is, this is you know, or, or bring to the facts back to the, the importance because we're getting too many, you know, people that are using disinformation uh, very cleverly through the internet where, uh, you know, deep fakes are going to become more and more of a concern where people can actually take real live video and change people's words. It's going to end those extra steps to verify and, see if things are true they just see a headline and don't even half the time even read the article they just t read the headline and go oh well look at that you know this so right now who is the ultimate arbiter i think to your point travis you've yeah. like really clarified it like are we saying that twitter and facebook are right like maybe we maybe some people agree with that and maybe some people disagree and you're saying facts are facts but nothing is ever black and white so manipulating imagery and deep fakes that is completely terrifying but do you want anyone being the voice whether you completely disagree with that whether facebook or twitter is shutting down let me just use like a scientific no we're gonna stop misinformation on something that the whole world let's say 90 you know, agrees is scientific wrong and this is these are the correct facts but there are those times like should they be the voice and well, that's why in theory free speech protects even the tiniest minority so you, say, you said um you know what the sky is blue all right so the sky is uh, green you said that and twitter just puts here's some system article from scientists that say the contrary you, you're well you're welcome yeah. to have your own opinion but here are the other contrary facts to it right no, I think that's that's what I mean. That's what people should be doing, right? I think that's what we're yeah. all ultimately. Yeah, and that's what and that's what Twitter did. They didn't say you know freedom of speech is, or freedom. You know, you make the own. You don't want anybody telling you what to think. It's up to you. You want to hear all sides, right? As crazy as the sides might be in this day and age. So yes, I'm glad that you clarified whatever I was. <laughs> and look, there's, there's another thing we all have to look at is that the the person who's all angry about being a fact checked, right? Because we are all in agreement that censoring isn't the right thing, but possibly putting a fact isn't necessarily so bad. But that same person has the power to shut down the entire Internet, doesn't he? And that, that for me, is really terrifying. It's like a whole different 
different issues. So, um, yeah. and, and did that happen last night in DC? So I woke. I'm also. I didn't get much sleep, <laughs> and I'm. I, I thought I saw some reports that that it was out from like one till six or, or something. But I, I, I don't know. The internet. I, I was definitely online during that but, time. Good. Um, so yeah. So no. That's a concern, right? Yeah, that right. All of these things are, are terrifying. I mean, that's when we're talking about control over any type of idea, it's it's ultimately a very terrifying prospect. And, and when they chip it away these small increments, suddenly you realize, you know, you don't you don't really kind of gauge those small increments and, and, and acknowledge them. But then suddenly you wake up one day and realize all all those small increments have amounted to you don't have it anymore. They've taken it away from you, and that's where we need to. Even these small increments need to be a big deal. Yeah. Getting getting back to my initial what, question, what though, let me ask you all again: If social media didn't exist, if this you know if this executive order led down a path that initially you know made social media in uh, not tenable because of laws. You know, how would that affect you and, and what would you do sort of, you know, and, and how would you sort of react to that? How would you sort of would that affect you or your business at all? I know it would affect Travis. Oh, well, it, it would definitely affect how I get information, um, like a lot of things related to climate, be it storms or um, uh, pollution, explosions like I'm. I get out the door so fast when there's uh, an industrial um, incident. And if you don't get there fast, you know, basically the whole neighborhoods get closed off and you can't get in. So I wouldn't have access. Cause, I mean, here in New Orleans, do they close? You can't use the police radio anymore. So it's, it's just for, so for me, it's, it's not about how I get my work out, get my information in, in what I monitor. So that would suck. <laughs> You know, it's. I don't even about your business so much as so social social media is our information age. I mean, you can't take this away. We're we're not in the newspaper age anymore, or or even television newspapers. I mean, this is the way that news is. In, in sorry, let's just say the way information is spread, right? Or social media for many different things to promote ourselves to. Sh- share our personal lives but when there's a revolution happening it's happening on twitter it's you know it's happening people are seeing people are getting better footage than what i'm getting shooting iphone video from the protests outside of the white house you know and they're sharing um it's not even i just i got to like a terrified just it's not possible because i think we have changed um and maybe i'm still old school and i work for a newspaper and we do put out information but it's not in the traditional way like it's basically done on social media or on the internet or some platform whatever you want to call it so it's it's not something that can can vanish no can, and i agree it's, it's a critical utility at this point it's just like power just like you know water just like the telephone uh just like electricity um and i i think the fear is it's not going to get no one's going to take it away or shut it down. It's who controls it, and and that's what we need to be wary of: is is it being controlled and uh, and siphoned to us, uh, uh, and, and we take the freedoms and liberties from it. Yeah, it does get shut down in other countries when the government yeah, yeah. is in control, and then people have no source of information because. And once again, that goes back to control. Yeah, exactly. The only thing yeah. I can when you control the, the information. I think of you know, in hearing uh, your all's points on this is, remember the time before social media. 
Who remembers the time before social media? I was going to bring that up, Dave. Actually, you know, it's like I was going to say we all grew up, you know, prior to Facebook. We, you know, at least I How think everybody in this group grew up. We, we'd sit, we would sit there. We would sit there at a dinner party and be like, you know, you'd be like, oh, who, who was in that movie? Or who who made that quote? And you'd be like, who do I know that I can call on the phone that would know that? It, it, we used to call people. We used to write. You know, we, we used to. You know, before the internet. So, I mean, it's, it's I'm just still... saying before social media. No, I understand, but I'm taking it one step further back. You right. know, it, it, you know, it's like we actually made phone calls. We actually, you know, information just took a little longer to get, or we we we, were, we knew where to get it from yeah. other places. And books. Good Remember books. those. The Dewey Decimal System? (laughs) You know, once something moves quickly, I mean, unless, you know, we're in the zombie apocalypse, you just can't. It would be like young. We're only in the halfway through. It's 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 a young. This is what's going on now is where every one of those movies starts. So don't. Right. You know, we we have the third storm uh, named storm forming right now, and it's not even. Officially, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's it's this just situation. throw that on top of this all. Oh. It, it's it's crazy because everything's moving so fast that when I wrote the show notes for tonight's show, I did not even consider the protests and everything going down as a potential topic for discussion. Everything was going to be like what you were talking about, Julie, and covering the sort of COVID protests and whatnot. Like this whole. Everything that's happened in the last few days has just overtaken everything that's been going on. So it's been very interesting to see how quickly things have happened. And a lot of that is due to, again, social media. And that's a big testament to how quickly things can, you know, be sort of uh, risen up and and made relevant and, and prominent, you know, and that's all thanks to social media. So. I hope it personally doesn't go away, but again, you always hear these stories about like, I took a 30-day detox from social media. Social media is ruining people's lives, you know, so maybe it wouldn't be such a bad thing. I gotta tell you, it's it's actually hard, but when I went to Cuba for a week, you know, and and it was, you know, you have the internet, there is not a very thing, and uh, I actually, I went through the the, the withdrawal pains. I did. I went through withdrawal, social media withdrawal. (laughs) <laughs> and he came back. He was like, "Oh yeah, get me, hit me that, and get that right in the old veins." Get to the airport. Oh yeah, it's fine. Yes. Oh my god. All right, let's move on to our next Five. our next topic. We're still talking about social media, folks. So we can we can still talk about this. But um, essentially, this is just more of a story about you know censorship in in form. Is it censorship? Is it not censorship? I don't know. Let's talk about this a little bit. So essentially a grandmother ordered was ordered to delete Facebook photos under the uh, GDPR, which is the General Data Protection Regulation. If you're in the United States, don't worry, it doesn't apply to you. This is an EU rule. Uh, but essentially what it says is that if, uh, if you're in the EU and you're, you know, someone posts pictures of your kids and you don't want those pictures online, even, even if it's on social media, within a, a close group of friends, you can order that person to take down those photos, which is what happened in this case, uh, where the, the grandmother was ordered to remove the photos or face a, you know, expensive fine. So, you know, I wanna kinda know from you all panelists is like, what would what would kind of be your reaction if this sort of policy were to extend to the United States? And, you know, again, you know, we, we go out and we take photos all the time of people, many times people who don't want our pictures, their pictures being taken, but, you know, they have to be taken and published online for the, the sense of telling stories. But, you know, if there was some sort of rule or regulation where someone could order you to take down your photo, you know, how would that, how would that make you feel? How would you react to that? And 
Do you think that kind of thing could happen here potentially? I'll throw it over to you first, Evelyn, because you're looking downward. I'm trying to read in <laughs> on the story. Busted. Oh, okay. Come back to me. Sorry, Dave. I have right, not. Right. I want to just throw read it to Julie. Please, Julie, please. if someone told you, if you, you publish your photos and now you're being ordered to take them down, you know, how, how would you react to that? How would you feel about that? I just can't see that happening here. I, it's just, uh, it's too, where's the, you know, we don't I'm even. I'm sure the people in the Europe the didn't society. see it happening there, but it, it happened, you know, it was passed. Now, can I clarify something? They weren't the grandmother's photos. They were the mother's photos. Well, it no? doesn't, I, I don't know who took the photos, but it was the photos of the children in the shot. And that. Of, of her, her grandkids. It was the photos yeah. of her mm -hmm. grandchildren, but they weren't her photos. Does, what, in, in this yeah, case, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't thing. matter if they were her photos or not. As far as I can tell, I mean, it's it's like I don't want my my children's pictures on, on the internet. I don't know. I don't actually don't know. Let's see here. Does it say that? It 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 does make a it does make a little difference because here in the states you can't just go randomly shoot shoot uh, children on the streets. I would hope so. Phrasing phrasing protection laws against that. So so that's just an extension of that law and and so if you're if i'm posting pictures of your children dave or you know and, and they're your pictures that that's something very different than than them telling you to pull down your if pictures. you take photographs of my kids and they're in public you have every right to have those photographs published in an editorial manner the newspaper can publish those photos and tell that story if if, yep. if you know if my kids are fine at a protest doesn't matter they're, they're free game right right this, I've now read this story. This She's sounds now like read a story, family folks. feud. It is. It definitely is. It this definitely is a family, family feud. She doesn't now, sound like the best grandmother. We we have, we do in the United States have protections for children and how we use their images. And, but, like Dave said, if you are in public and it's used in editorial use, um, I don't know if posting them on Facebook probably wouldn't fall in that category if you're posting, posting them for personal use on us, on social media. Um, but this ultimately, I can't imagine that this is like some wide sweeping ruling that's going to affect tons of people. It really does sound like a thing between a grandmother and a, yeah. and a, their daughter, but obviously it's, it's a law. So it I guess precedent. it sets precedent, but I think that it would apply in the United States if like you said, Travis, these are these are not your photos and then you go and post them and they're minors or maybe even if they're not minors, would that be a property rights a issue? issue? I mean, what's the issue here? You, you know. It'd be a cut right. Um, so there are many issues, but um, I wonder how frequently a sort of, this sort of thing would come up. But yes, back to the public, children in public. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I couldn't like photograph your kids in the park, Dave, and then post them on my social, on my, in, on my, in a non-editorial way, whatever that would be. Right. You I know, mean, but I if you, if your newspaper told you to go talking. feature hunting and they wanted some nice features and you found a nice shot of my kids playing yeah. hopscotch in the park or playing in a public fountain or something like that, you could absolutely publish that in your newspaper, uh, newspaper's absolutely. website, newspaper, social media yeah. and say, Oh, look at this. Like I went to, um, What's right. that park in, you know, Queens? It's very famous. The uh, It's like the home of the World's Fair, right? I went to that park one day. It was a very hot summer day. Yeah. 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 The, the kids were all playing in the giant fountain, and it was it was a wonderful spot to get really awesome photos of kids just playing, and kids and adults, everybody just playing in the park with the water in the fountain. And, you know, I could have taken any of those photos and published them as, you know, feature editorial, you know? 
and you know nobody could really do anything about what it, sure. you know, if I published it or not published it. And that's that's a great thing about being in America and sort of the the rights that we have and the you know freedoms that we have, you know. But in this instance, obviously, this is more of like a fam- familial dispute. So we'll see if this extends towards you know news uh, publication. But we've seen it in in certain cases in the past with regard to. Uh, laws and rules that relate to social media searches and websites and you hear it you know if you see it sometimes uh, you know the chilling effect right where a uh, you know uh, the court has ordered Google to take down search results of someone because they didn't want that out there that you could search for something so I don't know I I think this adds to the chilling effect that could potentially you know I'd hate to see this extend to the rest of the world but We'll see what happens. You know, these are these are internet companies, right? These are companies that associate to the world. So, right. I think I think maybe news protect news news websites news news uh, organizations might have some more protections. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But it's interesting. It's an interesting yeah. case study. I think. Mm-hmm. But, you know, going back to this again, has anyone ever asked you to take a picture you shot maybe off your sort of um, portfolio site or any sort of, you know, anything you've published personally? Has anybody ever asked you to do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was a very difficult situation for me. I photographed a soldier who'd lost um, his legs. He was, I photographed him on a military medical evacuation flight. I was on an assignment. He was with his fiance. They're very moving photos. Um, he'd also lost part of his hand. Anyway, they came home, they came to the United States and eventually they split. And I was contacted by the family. Uh, his, his, I think I was contacted by both of them, but I think also the soldier saying that they'd split and take the photos down so that there's not a constant reminder for her and she can move on with her life, something like that. And it felt really... I took them, I think the photos are, I still use them, I have one on my portfolio, but I mm-hmm. took their names out, so they weren't as, you can't totally erase them from the internet, but I was very torn, I mean, it was a very moving situation, and this soldier had been, you know, injured in such a terrible way, and obviously there was a lot of trauma um, in his life, and, you know, he split with his fiance. For you know, I don't even know the reasons, or when, or how many years after, but... Um, I was torn, but I did it. You know, I did feel like this was editorial. You know, I had permission, but it's, you know, I, it was just a ju- my own judgment call. It didn't serve me to upset this couple by keeping their names, you know, in the caption so that they were easily, it, to be easily found. It, it didn't serve, you know, it, I just felt like I wanted to honor their wishes. But I'm often conflicted with things like, it, you know, about that. I, it's not my general, you know, I think it's a case-by-case decision yeah. that you want to do. Julie, you mentioned someone asked you to take your photos down? Yeah, just recently with, with video. Um, I had someone contact me from Haiti about a video that I shot after the earthquake. Just and, and they said that it was somehow endangering their life, but there was nothing I could do about it. It was in an, an article for The Atlantic, so I explained to them that, but I made the effort. I did, you know, the, my contacts, my editors, you know, the no one's there that many years later. But I tried, and I even went as far as to message someone I didn't have contact with on LinkedIn but didn't hear back, and I told him. But he kept calling and calling. And just the other day, then, I had someone um, who now wants to be a lawyer who um, made very public testimony at um, a public permit hearing for a pipeline. 
And she said, well, that's the first thing that when you Google my name, and she was exaggerating, I Googled her name, and it, it wasn't. But I told her I couldn't, again, because it was in an article, but I was able to take her name off the title of it. So her name is in the article. It really isn't important. Um, so I did that for her, and I felt that was appropriate. But I had to explain that, you know, um, well, I'd have to put a note in the article, why was it removed because we do that if, if I spell someone's name wrong or make a mistake just like the New York Times <laughs> we put a correction that and I'm talking about mm -hmm. desmog where I publish most of my kind of work so I should say oh this person it was hurting her chance to get a job that she you know so and she she said she got it but yeah sure you want it you want I mean I'm not doing this work to hurt people many people want me like to think that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it is public testimony. Or, you know, the other person, what they did, they were fully aware I was filming them. You, you, you know, um, it, it, was, it was actually about um, uh, the elections in Haiti, and the person went and took a ballot um, to shake a ballot so I could show how, and that's the whole basis of what the report was, and it had been out there forever. So how that could suddenly be endangering their life, but again, you know, I think it's it's. Um, I wouldn't. I don't want to be the person that ignores the plight of the person in my photos or my video, and just moves on like, oh well, you know, put that in the trash. Mm -hmm. So I I do my best. That's that's just like we said. You know, there's surveillance everywhere. You know, if someone, especially if someone gives you permission, what can you do? Mm -hmm. You know, once it's out there. Yeah. Travis? Um, yeah, I've, I've certainly had, a, I, I shoot a lot of uh, uh, sensitive material and, and private material and, and commissioned material. And, uh, but some of that, uh, you know, uh, one, one example uh, that I'll, I'll take is uh, shooting. I shot a huge wedding out in uh, south of France, and I was brought out there for a week to shoot a bunch of stuff at a chateau and an abandoned castle. And I, I did this epic shot up on a hillside with an abandoned castle in the bride and groom. And, uh, and it's well written in my contract that I have the right to, to use these on social media and, and use it in my portfolio yeah. and they asked me to take the, the photo down and uh, they said oh it's a personal moment I'm like, I, I don't have to take this down, but I will take yeah. it down it was a big struggle and it was a, it's an incredible epic photo and uh, uh, and it, it uh, I think uh, it was a very difficult thing to do yeah so I mean you you were currently you know in your right to keep it up, but you chose to take it down as a way to sort of maintain that relationship, right? Yeah, and in fact, it didn't really maintain the relationship because I was upset about it, and I didn't, you know, reach out oh. to want to do anything more because they yeah. didn't understand it. And uh, uh, but uh, I took it down out of respect for for the the client and uh, and doing that. But uh, that's the way it ended. Yeah. <laughs> when I was uh, redoing my website, I had a photo up. And it was from my time in the Marine Corps. And so it was shot while I was, you know, on duty. And is it was of a uh, Marine. And it was during training. And the, the photo itself was completely benign. Like, there was nothing in it. It was just a Marine sort of looking off into the distance. You know, had some nice lighting. It sort of was moody. I thought, okay, this is a nice shot for my portfolio. And so I threw it on my, you know, my personal portfolio website. And he found it because I used his name on it because I was, of course, using the caption, 
Uh, and mm-hmm. um, so he probably did a Google search of his name and popped over to my website. And his objection to me using it was because I was using it for commercial purposes because I had my prices for what I charged as a you know photographer on there. Now, right, uh, right. You know, he had you know this was a you know uh, a free what do I say you know uh, free open domain free source picture that anyone could use for any purposes because everything you shoot in the military is is going towards the the public domain. I, I could have kept his photo up, you know, but. In the end, it wasn't worth sort of the fight, and the photo wasn't dramatic and you know earth shaking enough for yeah. me to say like this needs to be part of my portfolio. So I just took it down. And it was the only yeah. only time I've ever gotten a complaint about any photo I've ever posted. But all right, well let's go ahead and move on to our last topic this evening since we're getting kind of late in the nights for me, anyways. Um. Reporting from the front lines. So this was actually a topic that, uh, Julie, you sort of inspired in me from some of the stories you had told about, you know, again, when we talked about this and emailed back and forth, it was about coverage of COVID and sort of the so the protests and, and sort of the activity associated around that and sort of your experiences. But now it's been like a whole new world of protests. And we talked about that this a lot at the beginning of the show. So I don't want to retread too much about the protest aspect. So let's kind of talk a little about what you can tell me about some of the stories you mentioned in your emails. I'm very curious to see And I think our audience will be curious to kind of hear about the, the experiences you've had. Um, well, with the we were talking about the internet that's one of the problems uh, with um, with a lot of communities of color um, they they don't even have the internet down here so they can't keep up with uh, health issues and and uh, the stuff with the COVID and so um, yeah now I'm the one losing (laughs) Uh, so what, what I, I find, you know, like I, I go to shoot sometimes, I become the arbiter of information, which is, you know, something. Uh, because, I, you know, I go out and you, you see people who aren't taking care, who you know their health is compromised, who are over 60, and they're people you've been following, you know. So do you, do you intervene? Do you help them and give them masks and make sure they're safe the best you can while protecting yourself and so forth? And, you know, that's what I opted to do. So I, I'd go see people and I'd bring them protection and i put it on the on the sidewalk, you know, and then back up. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, really? You know, and, and they all figured it out on their own. But like I said, there can be a real delay down where, where, where I am. I mean, when Occupy happened, I think the protests in New Orleans, the first Occupy protest was two or three weeks later. And, you know, the rest of the country had already erupted. So you can imagine in the small parishes, um, for social norms to change, it, it takes uh, a bit longer. So that's what I found. Um, and then as far as covering the, the protests here, um, you know, Things are a little, well, it's not a very protesty state, Louisiana. You know, people are more interested in Mardi Gras and uh, partying, you know. So that's why it's not, there aren't big famous protests in the last couple decades here. Like, you know, think of one image from Occupy in New Orleans. You know, you, you there's no enduring image because it was just such a small kind of thing that dissipated and really wasn't much. 
Um, uh, but the um, open Louisiana protests were different because they, well, I guess they are all purely political, though they seem like they're not. But here they were led by five state reps, you know, and they were the ones uh, turning against the Democratic governor who is already endorsed by Trump anyway, so it was kind of ironic. Uh, but there, it was the kind of thing I documented more for history and my ongoing reporting on the environment because it is all connected. Uh, what's happening with COVID denial and climate denial, the same organizations are funding that. So ALEC is trying to get the state back open so elected. And they're the same ones that are telling us that climate change isn't real. So they're the money behind it. And they're the ones funding the campaigns of the politicians that we're getting up. And it's just to watch everything unfold. This is before the country erupted like this. But the, um, the far-right Republicans here are now quoting um, Loretta Scott. You know, they're, they're all using African-American history to show that they're with it, they're down, and it's, you know, kind of nuts. But I, I went to a couple of them here, and, you know, of course, the media is not paying attention. They don't have long guns. It's not as picturesque as uh, some of the other states. And um, and our state really was in the process of opening up, so none of it made sense. But I go sometimes because I know no one else is going to be there taking pictures. Um, I didn't really see any other independent photographers documenting it. And again, you don't know what you're going to get and who you're going to see. And, you know, I saw um, a lot of, you know, just following what the far right is, what they're following, what they're doing, you know, jump back and forth between the left and the right and how they're protesting. And now I've got these great contrast pictures because uh, just yesterday I was at and that's where the um, open Louisiana people were. And there was maybe one or two masks out of like a few hundred people, two or three hundred people. And now there were almost a thousand people, um, you know, who uh, were protesting in solidarity with the other marches for George Floyd. And everybody had a mask. Everybody. You know, so that's, so I don't know if that's what... What you were looking for? Do you have a specific question? Yeah, I think, uh, like, uh, so lost too without sleeping enough these days. No, uh, you know, again, you can tell me what you can. I, I don't know what you can say about it, but you'd mentioned, you know, had uh, you were with some folks and some people were, were filming someone and someone else right. kind of jumped in on that. So I don't know if you can talk about that. Okay. Sorry, yeah, it's been so far. Okay, so we were talking about the danger like and now the danger is yeah, just right, being a journalist <laughs> not for you and, and um but um the danger of other reporters getting too close the the what i found so far is um the people that were crowding my space who were putting me in danger were other reporters as though it was so important to get your shot that they had to come one yeah. foot from you and i'm not going to name names here but man, it was shocking. Tommy Sanders. Now, no. Early on in this whole thing, I, I covered um, one of the churches that was um, decided to stay open. And I was with a network TV station on the side. And, you know, we were all waiting to get the interview of someone from the church. And then when that came, you, you know, it the people that wanted to be interviewed or photographed yeah. wanted to be interviewed or photographed. So right. you didn't need to scrum. And yet somehow in this huge field, yeah. 
there was a scrum and like one reporter who showed up late oh, literally gosh. like came in the middle oh, wasn't wearing a mask and her response after because I, I I just I went nuts on live live you know <laughs> it was live well nobody played it but it, it was that kind of thing where I got emotional um, because I was also trying to protect the cameraman who I care about, who had been set up for a long time and called the people. You know, no, no one wanted to be out of it. Later, the reporter said to me, oh, well, you all were wearing masks, so I thought it was okay to get close. And I mean, what can you say? You know, like, really? But then I, as it kept going on, I saw this over and over again. So my coverage, especially when um, COVID was spreading rampantly in New Orleans at the start of the lockdown, down um i did my reporting and didn't go to you know things like that where where you, you'd get that but you know now with these protests yeah i was much closer to people yesterday uh than i have been besides the reporters yeah. <laughs> coming too close but it was kind of shocking that you know it's kind of like it are the pictures important enough to risk your life um or other people's lives and the stuff that the answer was no with what right. I was shooting. You know, if a politician is giving a press conference, is that worth getting less than six feet from someone without a mask? Mm -hmm. A colleague set up before you, can't you shoot from the side or get on a ladder behind them? It was, it was ugly. Yeah. I found it really ugly, but I, but you know, it's, it's really hard to make a buck, I guess. So, you know, you have to, you have to weigh that stuff. Yeah. Uh, stuff too but it, it was scary here because you know all of us the people that i know in the field we all covered mardi gras right and that's where it's right in new orleans and you know uh testing was really not readily available here when people like myself should have jumped on it um you know like if, if i had a test now it would just be for antibodies right. uh you know though of course i can pick it up at any any time yeah. but um there's a there's chance that i that i had it uh for sure i was in the middle of that zulu crate yeah. you know so that was happening here and uh it it was it was ugly i should know this but are we out of mardi gras season or has that not started yet oh yeah 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 and that that was like the the, the most spread happened the last day at the zulu crate that's the one I was covering. Yeah. <laughs> there, there were a lot, there, there were articles uh, tracing the deaths from that very parade. It was, it's an African American parade, and um, it was very sad, very, very, very sad. The a lot of the old timers who you know we uh, were royalty in that parade I got it. Let me ask you, Evelyn, has the recent sort of craziness with protests and whatnot made you long for the days when you could just photograph somebody on their porch? <laughs> you know, the porch photography was frustrating, but I was really concerned about, you know, being safe during COVID. And like I said, I think I said it maybe before on the air, all of my two months of quarantining just went out the window yeah. Friday night. But I wouldn't not cover them. This is so yeah. important, and yeah. you know, this is so historic, but I immediately felt like, I mean, what you're saying, Julie, about the Zulu parade, I mean, I just feel like, okay, I'm getting COVID. I mean, I have been in for three oh days gosh. now around people, touching people, running, sweat, spit, yeah. I mean, 
of people, masks, no masks, my mask coming off, tear gas, people taking their masks off. Also me, I mean, I'm having people pour, pour water in my eyes. I'm not wearing a mask. Yeah. I mean, it's like, forget. Um, but would I skip this? And do I think that the African-American community or whoever, all people, let's let's just say all Americans should be pro, should feel something that, about what is going on with systemic racism and you know, and even when I was talking about the police earlier, I just want to clarify because I under there is so much rage because this is it's like people feel like, well, you're part all these police officers are part of a systemic problem. So they're venting their rage, which we see and we get frustrated when we see this anger maybe towards all police or towards um, and, and the looting. But it just goes back to like. Are you following orders? Did you speak up? Have you, you know, have you taken a knee? Have you said, you know, there have been, and when you hear the names, say their names being read and you realize how many times over and over and over this happened. Um, so, you know, I, how can I not document, go out there and document what is, you know, this really historic um, moment, but I'm definitely scared about COVID. So do I miss porch protests? Back to that. Um, porch photos. I mean, porch um, protests. that's the protest. next one. On my brain, I can barely string a sentence together. I'm on like two days of no sleep, literally. And I hope, yeah, I don't know. Don't hold anything I say against me. But um, yeah, I mean, I miss the safe. I feel like there's going to be a huge um, uptick in cases. Yeah. And actually, I think it's going to, again, affect people of color. And I think that's just going to be one more devastating thing that's happening. We had the pandemic and now... Yeah these terrible protests, you know, killings of people. It's just, it's just one thing after the next. Um, so I'm worried about it, but e Evelyn, what um, was your last yeah. purely COVID shoot? And do you think you'll have another sort of just purely COVID shoot, not protest related anytime soon? Friday before I did a story about, it was a COVID related story. It hasn't been published yet about following well, anyway, I don't, I don't know if I could say what it's about. But anyway, just Friday. following like how something manufactured okay. basically during this time, yeah. and I went from that. It was on uh, a busy 14th Street in DC, and when I came out at like the protests, the first pro Friday night protests were yeah. starting, and I just went, oh, I have to go do that. I wasn't even on assignment, oh, wow. um, and and then you know, of course, like my, it, it, you know, my pictures, whatever. I just. It got picked up but um yeah so friday i went from covid to non-covid yeah. yeah for you travis how did it feel kind of just getting out of your house and traveling and going to long island was that weird you know was that the first time you'd kind of traveled that far and and sort of this whole covid thing it's the first um real uh photo shoot that i've done with a client uh since this has really started i've done I, i've done some product shooting and, and and a bunch of stuff from home but that's uh, the first time i've traveled out and and, and did shooting and uh, yeah it, you know it's definitely it, it 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 carries a different kind of gravity to it and, you know I, I wanted to make sure that we shot outside i wanted to make sure that uh, i shot you know uh just myself i usually would usually bring someone that would help me with lights and stuff like that but i, I reduced myself to just myself uh and i made sure that i set up the lights and then i'd have the family come in and and step into the you know the set and then uh, i would move the lights and, uh, set up somewhere else and then have them come in and set up the set and uh, i was very cautious and uh, kept distance and masks and stuff like that so yeah it was it had a very different feeling to it where normally i'm kind of like you know very playful and and you know huggy and uh, you know i really like uh you know connecting with my 
clients, it, it, it took a lot more, uh, uh, a, a different type of uh, mindset to kind of get the same uh, reactions and stuff that I would. Um, you know, when I'm at a distance, uh, I, I would take off the face mask, uh, but uh, to try and, you know, elicit uh, smiles and, and, and to emote emotions from your from your uh, subjects with a face mask on is, is another challenge. Yeah, yeah we had... Um this past Memorial Day weekend, we actually got to go out and travel, and that was kind of the first time we had to do that here. Uh, and, you know, again, it it's, was a mixture of both sort of this nice sense of freedom, right, that you're kind of able to go and travel and be around and explore a little bit, but also that hanging sense of dread and sort of anticipation and fear that comes with, oh, my gosh, it's still out there. You know, it may be in very small amounts, but it's still out there. And you could still potentially get sick, you know, but the 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 odds are lower, you know, and again, there's it's safe enough to sort of travel. But there wasn't a moment that went by where, you know, wasn't wearing a mask. I was wearing a mask at all times, pretty much out and around other people. You know, we had a little bottle of disinfectant solution. So we went to a hotel and sprayed everything down with our own disinfectant solution. We actually had to have like a maintenance person come to the room and uh, he wore a mask when he came in and then he decided to take off the mask to talk to somebody down in the, the hotel lobby, you know, one of his people. I'm like, and then he hand, handed me the phone. He's like, oh, they want to talk to you. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I grabbed the disinfectant bottle and sprayed that phone handset down. Like, okay, <laughs> what are you doing? Anyway, so uh, again, it, it's, it's a weird sort of sense, but um, good to get out and, and see things and do things and cover things um, outside this whole COVID shenanigans yeah um but anyways i think that's going to bring us to the end of this week's show uh julie uh where can people find out more about you and your work um well um on facebook at julie dermansky photography which is public and my website which is my name juliedermansky.com or short it's j s d a r T.com. Um, and uh, otherwise also if you follow DSmog, which is an environmental news source, um, I publish regularly there. Um, That's right, so. DSmogBlog.com. Uh, I'll, pour, of course, put uh, links to that in the show notes. Uh, I do want to say, though, I was, I was looking for your blog. I was Googling for it initially, and I came upon your personal blog, and I noticed you haven't updated since 2018. You were like, best photos of 2018 or something <laughs> like that. you got to update your blog, Ms. Demansky. Uh, you know, I'm, I tend to manage to find a place to publish everything I shoot now, so I don't really do it anymore, oh, okay. you know. So, yeah. I, uh, uh, But I, I think about it. it <laughs> I don't know if it's just I'm getting old or, you know, I just can't keep yeah. up. I, yeah. really, I, I don't have enough hours in the day. Um, yeah, that's it. Not way, not enough. But I, I actually thought about taking that thing off yeah. my site or, you know, people leave dead. Oh yeah. Up, right. I've got a blog from like 2006. <laughs> that's probably the last time. I Even if you it. try and take it down, it's recorded somewhere in the yeah. The internet is forever. <laughs> I, I miss your, you used to send out like I don't know, emails, like email to all of us on your newsletter list or whatever. I, you got that one this year didn't you? I probably did. I sent I one at least. They're not not frequent enough, Julie. Good, yeah, no, no. My life. Exactly. Ah. Oh, I um, no, I feel bad because a lot of the people that do pay attention to my work uh, aren't on social media. 
and uh, you know, but there's just so much you can do. I'm like, if they can't figure out how to follow me, I'm sorry. <laughs> just having trouble with my email updates. But it's better to be too busy than not busy, Absolutely. right? Yeah, uh, I think Evelyn would agree with you there, right? Good to be out, get, getting some some shooting time in. And so, Evelyn, I, I won't bug you oh, for yeah. something to promote this week because I know you're tired. Travis, is there anything you'd like to promote before yeah. we sign off? No, well, I mean, obviously, I, I always uh, kind of end this saying if there there's uh, more topics that you want to talk to, can, can continue the conversation on any that we did talk to or ones that you would like us to talk about in the future. Please contact us. We're or we're, we'd love to uh, get uh, feedback and uh, and uh, use that to, to uh, program the rest of our Absolutely. shows. Absolutely, and I think Evelyn's going to make a guest appearance on your show, or already has. It is true. That was a big surprise, and, and now it's out of the bag. No, it's a, yes, she, she will be uh, on uh, this coming uh, open talk on Thursday at 7 p.m., uh, and uh, for links to that, you can find it on my, my social media or APA's uh, national page, uh, American Photographic Artists, uh, and uh, Travis Keys. Uh, we'll have links to that, and uh, she will be talking about all her adventures growing up as a young budding photographer into the protests yeah, of yeah. now and her yeah, experience with COVID. something new just pre-show we were talking about get it all kinds of fun i won't spoil it here but it was uh, riveting no that's yeah that was yeah i know that's that's what i, I that's one of my topics i'm going to go into don't you dare spoil it no, of course not. <laughs> all right well if you uh, enjoyed our show please go to our facebook page that's uh, facebook.com slash around the lens or you can find our tweets at twitter.com slash around the lens we have an instagram page and of course our most important thing is our patreon page patreon.com slash around the lens where you can Throw us a buck and get everything we do ahead of time or give us more money and then we can do that, you know, apply that towards other things. Uh, it would be very much appreciated. But, of course, I know everyone is very tight with the money at this time, so no issues if you can't. Uh, but at the minimum, go to AroundTheLens.com. You can see the show notes to this show and all the shows we do. Follow the links. Uh, check out Julie's pages. And uh, tell somebody about the show at the minimum. You know, I'm sure there's somebody in your life you know who has an interest in visual journalism. If you listen to this show, you must be within those communities. Let them know about the show. Tell at least one person. Uh, uh, give them the opportunity to hear it and, you know, whatnot. And, uh, yeah, just give us a chance. All right. Well, I think that's going to end this week's show. Uh, Julie, thanks so much for taking time out to uh, be on it. I truly appreciate it. Thanks for asking me. Right. Nice to be have back, you back on. on again soon. Uh, all right. Well, for Travis Keys and Evelyn Hochstein, I'm David J. Murphy. This has been Around the Lens, episode 227, and we are out. Thanks for listening to Around the Lens. We hope you enjoyed the show. To continue the conversation, head on over to one of our social media outlets, such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or Twitter. To support the show financially, consider donating to us via Patreon. For show notes from this week's episode and links to everything else we talked about, just go to our website, AroundTheLens.com. Finally, if you or someone you know might be a good guest for the show, get in touch with us via email at info at AroundTheLens.com. <laughs>